When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of the Hockey News on the A podcast. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News alongside Patrick Williams from AHL.com. Set here for our Calder Cup preview show. Crazy to think that we've already gone through the regular season and now we're at the time where, where legends are made and where legends are born. Hey, Pat? They are in a way, right? Like this is often the final step, uh, the Calder Cup playoffs for those top players. I think back to like a Zach Wierenski, right? Came in. Right. Um, with uh, was Lake Erie back in 2016, and it was kind of just he had to polish up a few parts of his game. Came in, won a Calder Cup. He was off to Columbus and uh, has never been seen since in the AHL. So it, it, it can really be a launching pad for, for young players. I, I'm getting flashbacks to, and this is kind of my favorite memory of growing up with the Manitoba Moose, who were the, the, the team in town in Winnipeg when I was young, of Corey Schneider going on a miraculous mm-hmm. run. In the t- 2009 uh, or 2010, sorry, I think uh, Calder Cup. It was 09. It was 09. Okay, yeah. So, mm-hmm. and Hershey beat them. They lost in Game Six. But you know, you watched Corey Schneider, and you knew this guy was going to be a star. And a little bit reminiscent of what we're seeing with Dustin Wolf, and what we we could see uh, this year. And I'm sure we'll, we'll. I know we'll get to that. Um, so here's how we're going to do the show today. We're going to go through each of the four divisions. And we're going to kind of go through the top tier, the middle tier, and then the guys that are on the bubble, the teams that are on the bubble that are trying to get in. And, you know, how much can really move right now, Pat, off the top of your head, like, like in terms of seeding? Uh, Just the bubble team. Seeding uh, among the bottom teams, yeah, there's still ongoing races in both the uh, north and the central divisions uh, for that uh, last spot really even for that number four spots no still not secured in either one of those divisions so um theoretically depending on how things go this weekend you could see um two spots um that are up for grabs now um you know even utica and iowa for example like they've kind of like they've been on the brink of of clinching and they just can't quite get over that finish line yet right so before we get to each division let's start with our prospect of the week who, you know, we'll get to the team he's on at some point, but it, it makes sense to to talk about him on his own. And that's Shane Wright. Shane Wright is our prospect of the week. Coachella Valley Firebirds, possibly the most well-traveled uh, top five pick uh, we've seen in recent years. Started the year in Seattle, went to uh, Coachella Valley for conditioning, then World Juniors, then to Windsor Spitfires. And now back to Coachella because the Spitfires were swept in round one. And he uh, approaches a, a very, very important and potentially long playoff run with Coachella Valley. One thing I want to note about Shane Wright is he's got five points in six AHL games when he's played. And before he was sent to the OHL, a lot of people were saying, myself included, this guy looks more than capable of staying in this league. Now, we're not going to get into the whole CHL and NHL player agreement. We can't change that for another close to a decade. But it's not far-fetched to... It, say that Shane Wright is poised to, to be an impact player for Coachella. 
Oh, easily. I think easily top six and probably more realistically a, a top line player for Coachella. And I mean, what a kind of a, a, a break that Coachella Valley got, right? Like he, Windsor obviously had acquired him for, for that, you know, that huge return uh, from Kingston back in January. I mean, thinking that, you know, they're going to go on a, a run and, and right. go at least, you know, several rounds into the OHL playoffs and then they're done after one round that, you know, they were the number three team overall in the OHL and uh, they're going home. And all of a sudden, I mean, kind of like out of left field, you got Shane Wright now available for Coachella Valley, which is huge. Um, they've, you know, they had a really tough break mid season losing Andrew Polarowski, um, you know, and he's been out ever since. So, I mean, all of a sudden that now you can plug in a guy that, you know, is, more than a point per game player at this point. He came in last night against Ontario and, uh, you know, chipped in right away with an assist in the first period. I mean, Coachella looks really good. Um, so does Calgary. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Shane, right? Like, you know, if you look at what other teams are getting back from either their NHL parent clubs or coming in junior or college, like, that's what Coachella Valley, like, he's going to be their weapon uh, coming in here late season. I, I couldn't agree more. I think, too, what's interesting about Wright is – he he gets a lot of grief in terms of the fact that he was supposed to be the, the first overall pick last year, um, or not supposed to. He was kind of touted as that. Dropped to four and all those things. And I think that a lot of people are kind of low on him just because maybe he's not a Bedard or McDavid or whatever, right? And he got exceptional status. And people can, can make their minds up on him. But in terms of... of the caliber of prospect Shane Wright is a future superstar in the NHL. And I think I would be shocked if he wasn't in Seattle's opening night lineup next fall. And so when you have a, a prospect of that caliber coming to your team and also with a chip on his shoulder, as you said, he was poised to go along with Windsor. Now he gets to be in Coachella where frankly, I would think he'd want to be if he's not in the NHL. And yeah, as you said, it, you mentioned with Calgary there, Coachella Valley has a serious chance to make some damage. And I think he writes to be a big part of it. And, the, the chippiness, the intensity that comes with the playoff series, that kind of, of wear and tear and being through that experience will serve a guy like Wright quite well. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I don't think people may, maybe fully grasp just how high the level of play goes, especially once you get really far into the Calder Cup playoffs. I mean, you're at the best level of hockey outside of the NHL, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, I've talked to players who've, who've played both NHL and NHL, and they say it's, it's comparable to essentially to a regular season NHL game in terms of the pace, the intensity, and all that, uh, you're getting you're getting some real high end talent, uh, either the veterans or the young prospects come in. So I think it's a great test for him. Uh, he's going to face probably face Calgary at some point, for example, right? Mm-hmm. If they're going to go further, they're going to face maybe Milwaukee or Texas. If you want to come out of that Western Conference, so hey, it's going to be one way or another. We're going to learn some things about him and where his game is at. Um, and I do agree, like there's a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and. That's great. Right? Yeah. You should play with that chip on your shoulder. Hey, whatever, whatever gets you uh, up in the morning and, 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 you know, out of bed and go at it. Right. Like, Hey, more power to you. And, you know, I mean, I think people get way too caught up in, you know, who went where in the draft. I mean, you know, we're going to talk about Dustin Wolf later. And there's a kid that went seventh round, right. Like right. Four years ago. And look at him now, future number one goalie for the Calgary flames. So, you know, I think the draft is, you know, largely an academic exercise after a certain point and get your foot in the door. And after that is, is all that matters. 
Let's go to division number one, the Atlantic division. Let's start with the race for first place. Hershey and Providence are duking it out there. And also they're battling for first in the Eastern Conference as well. So there's a double-edged sword there, whoever edges out each other in the final games here. Let's start with Hershey. What are they looking like as, as they approach the Calder Cup Finals? Obviously, Washington did not make it, did not make the playoffs. They'll be having a you know, decent amount of depth. They probably wouldn't otherwise. And uh, yeah, there, there's lots surrounding Hershey at, at this point of the year. Well, that's huge, and that, that's such a that's such a variable in the Carter Cup playoffs is, is what your parent team is doing or not doing, <laughs> and uh, obviously, I mean, you know, I mean, the Washington Capitals have been such a fixture of the Stanley Cup playoffs for I mean, feels like forever, right? And mm-hmm. uh, um, this is a little bit of different territory now for Hershey. Usually, this time of the year, they're kind of dealing with who they're not going to have. Because uh, mm-hmm. players that will be up with the caps, and, and now it's, it's it's the opposite, right? So like, you're looking at them maybe getting a, a Joe Snively back, uh, not maybe, uh, definitely uh, Henrik Borgstrom. Right? He used, he went up. Uh, you know, I think more importantly, it's not even who you get back; it's who you don't lose, right? Like, I'd agree with you don't that. Don't having, you know, your top goalie going up, or maybe one of your top forwards or D or whatever. I mean, and you just don't have that distraction, right? Like players kind of having their attention being pulled elsewhere, right? Like. This now is the this is the prime consideration right now in the entire Washington Capitals operation, right? Will be what the Hershey Bears are doing. So all the eyes are on them, all the management's eyes are on them. So um, you know, there's no distractions for them right now. So I think that you know, I, I've been kind of up and down on their play here in, in the different points of the second half, but I think for that, for them, like that is the one uh card they have uh, up their sleeve that really i think will make them dangerous one player that could definitely make some noise is connor mcmichael first round yes. pick in in uh, 2020 uh was played his rookie year with washington last year ended up with hershey this year after playing six of the first 20 games and one quote that todd nelson hershey's coach told me when i interviewed him in toronto that i think applies to a lot of people as he was saying the games you get in the calter cup playoffs are important because you can't handle it there you can't handle it in the nhl i think with mcmichael there's a lot on the line for him providence let's get to them obviously in a race for first just like their parent club in boston where are they in terms of you just mentioned how hershey's got the advantage of of washington being in but boston uh is very much in unlike washington (laughs) and uh providence will be getting any reinforcements and they probably are losing guys right um they're probably, I mean, barring injuries, of course, in Boston. But, I mean, for the most part, Boston has left Providence alone, right? Like, you know, call up here or there. But, um, you know, like, for example, their goaltending has been intact largely really the entire year at one point. I mean, their issue was they had too many goalies. They had Keith Kincaid in the mix as well. So, for my money, Providence is the team to beat in the East. Um, you know, I, I think that that team is just well-balanced, Uh you have uh, Kyle Kaiser in net. You have Brandon Bussey in net. Just uh, he was just named to the All Rookie Team. Um, really deep de- de- defensively, and then just well balanced up front, right? Like and well coached. Uh, they're a disciplined team. Um, you know, you looked at up and down their kind of different aspects of the game. There's just not many, not many holes to poke in their game, right? So. Um, I like what that team has. I've, I've really liked them really from the get-go. Um, I think they're well-coached. Uh, uh, they're not a team that gets too high, too low. And, and, you know, different points of the year, maybe, like, 
you know, this is the league of streets, we've said so many times, right? Well, they've been the one team that's really been able to, to dodge uh, anything re- really resembling a lengthy losing streak, right? Like they get on top of things early there, um, strong dressing room. So um, excellent leadership. I mean, we talked with Connor Carrick, I mean, early in the year, you know, he's a prime example of that, right? Like um, very intelligent team. So uh, I think the road out of the Eastern Conference to the Calder Cup final goes through Providence. The middle t- or the rest, as we should say, in terms of the Atlantic division, we've got Charlotte, Springfield, Lehigh Valley, Hartford. All those teams have clicked. Mm-hmm. Let's go through Charlotte, a team that, you know, they're without Alex Lyon now that he's doing as well as he is in Florida off to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And that could definitely have an effect on them once the, the Calder rolls around. It could, and that's, yeah, I mean, that's the classic case of the NHL give, giveth and taketh away, right? So, exactly. uh, uh, yeah, they're now relying on, uh, you know, young goalie, uh, Mac Guzda, I mean, you know, he's untested, I would say. I think, say well, he's no say. Alex Lyon. He's no Alex Lyon. Yeah, Alex Lyon, who won a Calder Cup last year, right? And, you know, here, you know, you think – you're Charlotte all year. You're pretty much chugging along with your goaltending. Uh, mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, line goes up and puts on this display that he's put on, and and, and now all of a sudden, that 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 really is a, a question mark for Charlotte. So, but you know, I know you're high on them. I'm high on them too. I love their veteran base: Riley Nash, Zach Dalby. Um, they're just a real high char- character, high caliber team in that regard. Uh, so I think they can weather that, uh, you know, and if that's especially Florida, let's say doesn't go very far and you do get lying back. Sure. Uh, he'll be coming back, right? Like fresh off late season and, and Stanley cup playoff games. So I think he would come back definitely with, uh, you know, his game at, at, at a peak and, uh, yeah, we, we already seen that you can do it in the Carter cup playoffs, you know, last year with Chicago. So no, I still, sure. I think I think Charlotte's dangerous. I do too. I think that Riley Nash and Zach Dalby are players that have had NHL experience, sure, but they're top end offensive contributors that play with the jam and grit that you want from your veterans and the compete in the Calder. And that's kind of why I'm not ready to sort of quote unquote write them off. Not saying you are, but I'm just saying I, I still have a bit of uh, time for them as a contender because of that reason. Springfield Thunderbirds, you know. This probably be Joel Hofer's last uh, Calder Cup playoffs, I would assume. Uh, one of the best young goaltenders. I think he'll be in St. Louis next year. Where are we at with, with that team for this year in terms of, of their playoff outlook? Yeah, they, they would scare me, I think, playing right. them, especially especially if you get them like in that best of three, like the playing right. round. But even if you get them after that in the best of five, right? Like Hofer, Hofer I think, can steal a series on his own, right? And again, another team that the NHL club is not in the playoffs, so you're you're stable there with your roster. So um, I think that was a team I definitely want to stay away from uh, as long as possible uh, because I think I'm, I'm pretty high on Hofer, and um, they have a good bet base of uh, real strong veteran forwards up front too. So um, and you know a lot of these players went through that grind last year; they went all the way to the final. So um, you know, they do know what it takes and, uh, that can be a tough building to play when, when they, when they're on their top of the ring. Last two for the Atlantic division before we move on Hartford, Wolfpack and Lehigh Valley, Hartford's nine, nine and one in their last 10 yeah. and Lehigh Valley six and four playing some of their best hockey of the year. Uh, but obviously kind of in the bottom of this aforementioned middle tier. Yeah. I mean, Hartford, 
has just pulled away. Like them in Bridgeport were um, kind of neck and neck for a long time. And then just this, this recent run, I mean, they really turned their team over quite a bit. Um, sure. Yeah. At the trade deadline. I mean, they brought in several high end uh, veteran players, or at least guys with three, four years of experience uh, really changed kind of the entire look of their team. Um, it took a little bit of time for them to, to start to come together, but once they did, wow. I mean, Louis Domingue and Net, they're, they're another team that's a little scary. Uh, you know, you know, Lehigh Valley kind of a you know situation where I, I can't get a good read on that team. I feel like there's just been so much movement to and from Philly all year long that I just feel like they haven't really built a cohesive uh, roster. Uh, so I don't, I'll admit, I don't have a good feel for where they are right now, you know, just in terms of what they can do once the playoffs do hit. Moving on to the North Division, where the first place is all about is is locked up with the Toronto Marlies, but they are on a slip recently. You know, the Marlies have a high octane of school, of skill. They're the best power play team in the league. They always have quality players, but what's kind of lost in this too is they've lost a lot of talent. They lost Adam Gaudet yeah. this year in, in the O'Reilly deal. Bobby McMahon is out. Uh, Joe Wall could be with the Maple Leafs during the playoffs. Who knows? They're one, six, two, and one in their last ten, entering or rather stumbling into the Calder Cup playoffs, and not look good either, right? You're not talking like, oh, well, okay, they lost a bunch of one, one goal games. Like, I mean, they gave up six goals last night to Laval. Uh, <laughs> earlier, they gave up five in Utica. I mean, uh, you know, at, at one point you're like, okay, you know, this is maybe just one of those little slumps that hit. Like, but that's a uh, that series they played uh, almost a month ago at home against Charlotte, they were outscored nine one. Um, they never really seemed to get back on their, you know, on track from that. And they've, uh, you know, this is now kind of stretched out for about a month, you know, so it's not just kind of uh, like, okay, you know, this is just the age, you know, the ebbs and flows. Like if I'm the Toronto Marlins, I'm pretty concerned at, at you know, where we're at right now in, in terms of, uh, you know, like you mentioned, like, you know, who's out of the lineup, but just, you know, they really never did address those players that they lost at the deadline. Um, and um, this is nowhere near the same team that we saw in the first half. So um, yeah. maybe they can use that time, you know, in that, that, that first round by to, to uh, shore things up. But uh, I don't know. Syracuse, Rochester, Utica make up what is a, a very much a middle tier because we'll get to it in a mm -hmm. second. There's, there's a bubble class in the North division, the most notable of any in the league. Let's go quickly yeah. through these ones. Syracuse, where are they at right now? Syracuse, cons, you know, that's uh, uh, just a team that's up and down all year, right? Like they, you know, just when you think they turned the corner, they sort of, they slip back again. Rochester, somewhat of the same. Uh, they've been on a good run lately. Uh, they will have um, Buffalo, not obviously in the playoffs. So that helps. Uh, and then Utica, they're an interesting team, right? Like, we, we said that, you know, or, you know, it feels like they've been on the brink of clinching for a while now. But, you know, that was a team that won the East last year in the regular season, came in and bounced out in the first uh, first round. So um, there are definitely some players there with something to, to prove, I think, after going through that experience. But uh, the fact that they still haven't clinched yet is a little bit alarming, I think, uh, you know. Uh, they're another team. They're up and down. They're, them and Syracuse are kind of mirror versions of each other in that sense. That's, uh, you know, they just they can't quite bring it all together. So, uh, 
yeah, that that, that mid tier you're right is is it's very murky right now. Let's go to the bubble of the mm-hmm. North Division. So you've got Laval and Cleveland duking it out, and it's interesting, right, Pat? Because you're seeing Montreal and Columbus kind of aiding their AHL affiliates this time of year. Yep. Both those guys, both those teams are in lottery contention right now. And then alternatively, their AHL teams are trying to get in, and there's been some moves to kind of accelerate that. There has. Um, and you really get a sense. Right? There's been a lot yeah. of up and down. Everything. Well, I mean, like, gosh, like on Wednesday, Columbus <laughs> moved 10 players back and forth between uh, them and Cleveland. I mean, just, you know, between Columbus playing, you know, the, the last, uh, you know, bit of their schedule – I mean, like David Jurczyk, for example, you know, in between games with Cleveland, he went up to Columbus, played 20 minutes, 20 plus minutes, I should say, uh, both games with the, with the Blue Jackets. So, uh, you know, and potentially you have players now that will play tonight, Thursday uh, for Columbus, and then they go into a 3-3 with Cleveland with uh, potentially the season on the line. So, um, you know, if you want your players to get, to get uh, late season experience, they're certainly doing that. I think it is showing that, what a priority it is for, for these NHL teams to get their young players into the playoffs. Like the fact that Montreal and Columbus both have really made an effort to send some talent back um, to their respective NHL clubs uh, shows that, that, you know, they're not just sort of content to let the chips fall where they will. Like they're actively working to get their, their young players into the postseason. So let me ask you this. If you, we, we, I think I asked you the same question a couple of weeks ago. But lots has changed. If you were to pay one of the two, Laval or Cleveland, which do you think will punch their ticket to the postseason? Well, it's interesting because like Laval's final game is on Friday, then they have to kind of sit around and wait potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, depending on what Cleveland does. Uh, so it could get it could get a little dicey there, you know, for a bit. I, I, I basically would say though, I don't want anything to do with Cleveland. If I'm a team, right? Like, especially if I'm if Toronto. If you're a Toronto, if you're exactly. Because uh, that is a young team that, that has been playing playoff hockey now for the better part of two months. Um, a lot of, you know, they'll have a full contingent back from Columbus. Um, though I've gone through that, that playing around. I mean, and they're, they're keep them as loaded. far away from me as possible. They're you've loaded, got, right? Yeah. You've, you've got Cole Stillinger, you, yeah. Igor Chikinov, Trey, Trey Fix, Wolanski, not to mention guys like Tyler Engel. And then you've got veterans like, Brendan Gantz and and so on and so forth. Carson Meyer, like he, it's a very deep team, and I think that when they're and sorry, I even mentioned David Yerichak. I just sorry, yeah. I just listened to forwards studs on that team, and yeah. the seating doesn't really seem to matter because Toronto, yeah, they've got first place and stuff. But since the last couple of months, they haven't really been producing much offense. And alternatively, yeah. you know, if they don't have Wall there. I think Cleveland could eat them up alive. And it's actually alter- one more thing about Laval, I will say. It's interesting for them because in the AHL, they have the fourth most goals per game. But I wonder what their, and I didn't, I just noticed this recently, so I couldn't look into it. But I wonder what their, the drop off has been since they lost, you know, Harvey Pinar, all these cast of characters that went to Montreal this year. Well, now they have Harvey Pinar back, right? So, right. Like, you know, it's a great example of, uh, of the parent team really, you know, given the, the the AHL club every chance to make the playoffs, right? Like, oh yeah, Laval for me is is, is another team. Like they're all over the place. When they're on, they look great, and other nights they look like they can't get out of their own way. So, mm-hmm. uh, which is the nature of this league, right? Like that's what makes this league such a 
interesting league, I think, to cover. It's such a volatile league in terms of the standings, right? Like, just mm-hmm. really depends who you have from one night to the next, kind of what, what the 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 look and the, the the flavor of your team is. So when they do have their pieces in place and when they're kind of at, you know, at their best, uh, they're very dangerous. But again, this is a case you're only dangerous if you get in the playoffs. And you know, this is what is uh, we're going to see. I mean, this is. This is going to be an interesting one, I think, coming down the stretch here. You know, potentially, I mean, with Utica not even secured yet, uh, you could, depending on how things shake out, you could have Laval Cleveland make it, Utica doesn't, which that would definitely be a twist. Um, but, uh, you know, before we leave the North, I just definitely want to kind of give, uh, you know, kind of a little shout out to the Belleville Senators, who I think, despite everything that was thrown their way, they managed to. Uh, stay in contention really till the final week of the, of the season. I mean, 10 goalies, mid season coaching change, 10 goalies, um, 10 goalies. Um, and that was just who they used. Never mind guys that backed up. So, um, uh, Justin Peters has his work cut out for him. (laughs) 10 guys, 10 goalies, uh, you know, constant call-ups to and from Ottawa all year. And, hey, they managed to, to hang in there until the end. Uh, fell just a little bit short, but um, they certainly uh, – I think they did themselves well and they can, you know, they can depart, you know, not making the playoffs, but still feeling, you know, pretty pretty happy with the way they played and, you know, the fact that they did, you know, make a good show despite everything that came their way this year. Moving on to the Central Division, the race for first place is highlighted by the Texas Stars and the Milwaukee Admirals. Now, here's where it's interesting. We talk about the trickle-down effect from NHL parent clubs. Dallas is in the playoffs now. Mm -hmm. So Texas isn't getting, or or, Texas will be affected by that. Nashville's out. So Milwaukee's getting, you know, Phil Thomasino, Luke Evangelista, Mark Janikowski, Kiefer Sherwood, um, Igor Anasalov. You know, it goes on and on. So there's those elements there. I think Texas is probably the favorite to secure that first place bid. They're two points apart. Each have two games remaining, but it's definitely going to be an interesting kind of shakeup of, of what we see, given how, you know, Milwaukee's a real wild card, man. We, like they're getting all this personnel back and they could be, they could be lights out. Frankly. I know you've been, you've been real, I've real been high on them. Back. You've uh, really, you know, early on even, um, oh, wait, what, one, one thing I have to say, though, is like in terms of my Milwaukee love for them, they're six, three and one their last 10 with, quote unquote, their B squad. Like, I'm not trying to disrespect the guys there. I'm just saying no. that the players there will no doubt be seeing a little bit of a reduction in usage with Tom, all those guys coming back. So the fact that their support guys are playing this well, it holds merit. I really believe that. And Yaroslav Sakharov, we're watching a star being born. I love the Admirals, Pat. I think you're well justified um the only caveat you know it's 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 it's, it's just something you have to apply to any team like this yeah. is, so those guys come back right like and how does everyone start to fit together again right like for sure you're 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 in some cases you have guys that you know have been that you know have been carrying the the mail for a while who have never played with some of these guys that are coming back right so how oh, does yeah. it all mesh together it's a great um point. In a short amount of time, too, right? In a short amount of time. Now, the good thing for them is they're getting that first round by. So they, they have, they'll have, let's say, a Milwaukee? week to 10 days. Yeah. Oh, right, because the play-in round. Sorry. Difference. Different time. So they yeah. they get uh, 
Um, time to kind of figure it out. Seven, ten, ten days to practice. You know, do a little of the team bonding type stuff. Um, you know, but I, I talked to Carl Taylor. You know, not you know a couple weeks back, and like he acknowledged that that is a concern. Kind of how do you know how do you make all these pieces fit? Now you have all these players that have been playing regular minutes. Now you might be pushing them down or out of the lineup. So you know, it's a, it's a it's a little bit of a delicate dance. Now I do think if uh, there's someone that can handle that, it's Carl Taylor. Um, so, but I mean, I think you're well justified. I mean, Milwaukee's a team that you know, great one-two punch in net with uh, Scaroff and Coley, and um, you know, again, another team you look up and down their lineup. There's not a whole lot not to like. So, Certainly. Um, yeah. But now, on the other hand, there is Texas, which is. Uh, Let's get to Texas. The best, the best yeah. offensive team in the league. They average three point six nine goals, goals a game. The best in the AHL. There's, I, I mean, it's probably because your co-host is big on Milwaukee, but maybe I, I'm feeling a bit of they're overlooked a bit sometimes. Oh, yeah. maybe, maybe it's because I'm overlooking them. But tell me a bit about why Texas you think is still because you've always been telling me that Texas is, is a, a beast not to be overlooked. Yeah, a well-coached team. I mean, you know. I was high on them pretty, you know, well, you know, well through into the second half. And the, fa- the fact that they handled Coachella Valley, they won three out of four games against them in March, you know, like a top team. Coachella had their players, so it wasn't one of those situations where they were unbalanced. And, uh, you know, it was during a road trip, a long road trip for Texas, and then coming back off a road trip uh, for Texas that they, they played Coachella and they not only matched them, they, they were better. Um, so I For think sure. that's a team, that's a team that, that's, if it does eventually come down to Texas Milwaukee for that division, I mean, that is, that is going to be one of the best series I think of the entire playoffs. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping, uh, we, we get a chance to see that one. Then there's the middle tier, Manitoba Moose. Um, it's been an interesting year for them. I think mm-hmm. they deserve a bit of credit in the fact that even with all the the personnel changes. And what I mean by that is, you know, they had Chaz Lucius and Brad Lambert, two recent first round picks with the team in the fall. Uh, they both ended up going back to juniors after world juniors. So you, you had a couple months there where they're trying to make all these pieces fit last year. The moose, were, you know, were one of the best well-run t- peer teams in the, in the league for the regular season. So they had to kind of battle that, but throughout that notwithstanding averaging, you know, according to instat data, third, most even strength scoring chances, They've got, you know, guys like Dominic Tominato and Jansen Harkins. But, you know, I think the problem with the Moose sort of is they have... So they've got the... They've got five-on-five down in terms of the game they want to play, and they, they run a good system. But the goaltending is, is is a question mark. It's become one after showing some promise, and they kind of lack that pop up front, I would say. They have to work for... for... Yeah, they've got to grind you. Know, you. They got to grind and, you down, and and that that's difficult to do, like for a sustained period in the playoffs, especially totally. against, let's say you're playing Milwaukee. I mean, that's sure. that's a tough team to try to grind down. Like you're getting a lot of resistance back. Um, you know, Milwaukee's just as likely to grind you down. So um, yeah. I think that for me would be yeah, that'd be the big question. I agree with the moose that. Uh, that pop is not quite there. And just, you know, if one or two guys, you know, that, that you really are counting on, you know, maybe aren't, aren't able to produce who picks up that slack. And then you look at 
Iowa, who's the inverse. They got that pop. They got Marco Rossi, Nick Patan. They've got a, a great cast of guys, but they've been inconsistent at certain points, and they're and they're hard to gauge, right? So, um, am I scaling up the the Iowa Wild their best, or am I scaling up what they're like over a seventy-two game season? It's kind of hard to handicap in that sense. The Iowa Wild are kind of the uh, the prototypical AHL team. Like we said, this is the league of streets. Well, they're a team of streets in a league of streets, right? Like. They'll, they'll, they'll put a seven-game losing streak together, and then they'll come out and they'll win, you know, six yeah. or seven in a row, and then they'll go on another streak. I mean, they just – they're all over the place. And um, that does really make them hard to gauge. Uh, now, Jesper Wallstedt, uh, I'm interested to see him, um, you know, maybe get a shot at the playoffs. Now they had Zane McIntyre as well. They're kind of the reliable veteran. So Certainly. a solid punch there. But, um, yeah, they're, they're a really difficult team to read, like, just when you again another team that we said just when you think they figured it out then they'll you know they'll go and they'll drop you you know three or four in a row and you're just like okay now what um, and yeah uh, their team I mean when they're on now I could see them if they somehow if you happen to catch them at the wrong time as an opponent I could see them being dangerous now but I could also see them just as easily being a team that kind of goes on very quietly so uh, I think. With Iowa, you know, it's it's really almost like flip a coin with that group. Yeah. So I we were gonna do. So as of right now, you've got Rockford and Chicago on the bubble, but yeah, they both have three games left. Rockford's up by three points, so I guess Chicago's technically still kind of in the mix. But for argument's sake, I'm gonna include Rockford here with with the Wild because the reality is, Texas or Milwaukee will get the bye, and the other team will play Manitoba. And then it's going to be probably Iowa and say Rockford or Chicago kind of in that best of three. So let's get to Rockford quickly here. They'll get reinforcements from Chicago, Lucas Reichel, David Gust, to name a few. Where do you scale them up as in terms of a best of three team? Are, are they a sleeper? Are they a favorite? Where, where do you see them? They're, um, they're a team that's... They're a team well, that plays in the HL. You're right. They're a team that plays in the HL. They're a team that went through significant significant uh, probably the most of all in the at the trade deadline they brought in Rocco Grimaldi uh, now he's I think already lived up to what you thought he would be but uh, they made a number of moves and they again another team that's sort of they haven't had the the, the stretch drive that I was thinking that they would and you know uh, for their sake hoping that they would right like you, you, you see management go out and make all those moves and really you know, kind of put a stamp on things and then the team is sort of, you know, up and down. Right. So like now I think the caveat is like, obviously with the Blackhawks, you know, I mean, they're playing off the stretch. So you're, you know, there's a lot of distractions in that sense, but um, I think this is, yeah. uh, You have a lot of young players in Rockford. um, Another team where the full focus um, will be on what those young players are doing in the playoffs. Um, Let's say they finish in the five spot. They get Iowa uh, for that play-in. Um, that'll be kind of a real interesting matchup, I think, just in the sense that you have just two teams that are um, similar to each other in the sense that they're so inconsistent, right? So mm-hmm. um, um, that makes that one really hard to gauge just because of um, really depends who shows up. Right. And now 
Rockford should have their full contingent now, obviously with the Hawks being uh, done for the year. But uh, the flip side of that is Iowa, you know, is is now subject with Minnesota still being in the postseason um, to whatever the, the NHL club might need. So that that one's uh, that was really probably of all the series out there that might be the biggest coin flip of all. And then you have the Chicago Wolves, six two and two in their last yeah. ten, who basically have to win out to get in. Let's uh, let's move over to the Pacific Division. Where we got the big boys playing Calgary, oh, yeah. Coachella, two very um, serious Calder Cup contenders are vying for first place in that division. Let's get to Calgary first. Are they the favorite over Coachella? If you had to, if you had to pick one, I think they are with Dustin Wolf. I don't know how you <laughs> go the other way around. Dustin, I'm Wolf. not saying that who's going to win. I'm just saying like the favorite yeah, no, no, has no. to be um, Calgary. Dustin Wolf, number one and number two. Um, the fact that the Flames are done, right? And totally. Seattle, Seattle's still in there for Coachella. So that is always kind of the risk you run. Like, you know, it only takes an injury or two up top yep. to throw your entire HL roster into top people. So, yeah, I think Jacob Pelche back, you're getting Walter Dewar. The list goes on and on. Yeah. So they're going to be fully loaded uh, to a team that already, uh, you know, is a 50 win team. And, and you know, they're not going to hit the uh, the record this year, but um, at one point they were at least flirting with the possibility of uh, getting up to that 775 mark point percentage wise, which is the all time AHL record for a season. Crazy. Uh, they'll fall a little bit short, just but not too not not too short. Uh, and now the amazing thing is, for all for how well they played, they're still they don't have their division clinched yet. Right? I don't understand it. <laughs> because they have Coachella Valley it. there, you know, and it, it makes you wonder, like, if, if if Coachella wasn't in that division, right? Like, the two best teams would, in the AHL are in the same division. How much more would Calgary run away with that, right? I mean, so right. you're right. The two heavyweights, one A, one B, I guess maybe you would say. Yeah. Um, really, I think will come down to just uh, whose roster stays more intact, uh, who's healthier. Um, but uh, yeah, I think either one of them, if uh, if they're the team left standing at, at, at the end of June with the Carter Cup, I, I won't be surprised one bit. Yeah, if I'd pick one, I would say Calgary probably prevails yeah. just by the the nature of okay. So you we we talk about how cohesion and all these teams are getting reinforcements back. Calgary's getting back Pelche, Walter Dewar, all these guys, and all year they've been good. Like this hasn't been they haven't been up or down. Like they've been amazing all year. So. I don't think there's going to be a change. Whereas like Milwaukee, as we mentioned, um, things have changed a lot for them personnel wise. And there's mm-hmm. more of the gelling that has to happen for Calgary. It's like the best deadline edition or whatever you want to call it, playoff yeah. edition you could possibly get. So now here's got- the wild thing, right? Just one point. No, yeah, yeah. So whoever finishes number two in that division has to do the playing round best of three. So you'll have the second best record in the league, but and you'll be in the playing play round. round. Yeah. Exactly. And you're getting, you're getting, it's, it's, it's now like, it's set that Tucson will be that number seven seed. Um, so you'll play that, you know, you'll play Tucson, who again, NHL team's done. Uh, Tucson's a, a team that's, uh, when they're on, they're really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they're, when they're not, uh, it, you know, they're very bad. Can, yeah. And then, you know, for example, like last Saturday night, they were playing Texas at home. They go down for nothing and then they tie, right. You know, mm-hmm. Uh, four four against you know one of the top teams in the league. So right, like that's the fire pair they have. Um, but again, they're 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 such a wild card team. But I mean, that's not the easiest 
path. You know, if you're let's say if Coachella Valley finishes second, that's a tough that's a tough path, right? Like just you know, concern how well you played and how you have to do a best of three. And as we know, like a best of three, that that can be a, a you know a bad bad bounce or you know whatever, or, you know something goes wrong and boom, like you lose the first game, you're already facing elimination, right? Totally. So like it's a, it's a it's a little bit of a dicey proposition uh, for a team that you know. Whoever, whether it is Calgary or Coachella, will have had a you know fantastic year. Middle tier there is the Colorado Eagles and the Abbotsford Canucks. Yeah, Colorado, of course, our NHL affiliates still playing. Abbotsford, uh, contrary, Vancouver is out for the year. Start with Colorado. Yeah. Real solid, extremely well coached with Greg Cronin there. I say that all the time. I can't speak highly enough of him. Um, they're a team that's dangerous. Uh, they can. Uh, you know, they, especially when they they play at home there in that little five thousand seat rink, uh, they can they can definitely be a handful. Abbotsford, uh, you know, pretty solid. Um, they beat Calgary two nothing last night. I mean, so that was a uh, you know they're going to be well tested. Having you know they play their final three games of the year against Calgary, so you know you're 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 certainly not uh, tiptoeing into the playoffs doing that. So yeah, I think uh, Abbotsford. Abbotsford, I'm certainly not going to put them up with uh, the top tier, but they're a team I think that can make some noise for sure. And then the bubble. You've got Ontario, Bakersfield, and Tucson kind of vying for that spot there. Ontario's been a bit of a disappointment. You would have thought that they'd be doing better. Yeah. Yes, is still in, but they've got a deep prospect pool. I think a lot of people would have expected them to be kind of in that quote-unquote middle tier, per se, rather than duking it up for a bubble spot. Yeah, I expected more. Just, you know, they had that 10-game winless streak in March and they, they seem like they're coming out and then they, they kind of go on another slide. So, I mean, they, they were well insulated by having a pretty solid start to the year. So, and then just kind of that, that, you know, the bottom grouping teams never got, got on track. So, um, their team, like, you know, they have the fire. I mean, they have the firepower, they have the talent on paper, but uh, right. they just haven't been able to put it together. Now, I guess the question is, can those guys put it together, right? Well, I, if they can. Well, the real question is, okay, how far does LA make it the playoffs? And if they get out, yeah. you get Quinton Byfield back, who mm. was a horse in those yeah. 16 or whatever games it was. He was unbelievable. Elite player in, in the AHL level when he was there. So that's a big variable. But, uh, you know, you got to get there first, right? You, you got you to gotta make it past the, the first three rounds. A lot of uh, ifs there, you know, yeah, if, 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 that, if, yeah. if carry the one, if yeah. odds of in the, in the event of Bakersfield, Edmonton's in it should go on a long run. If all pays out well, where they kind of, as they, if they fight for their playoff lives. Um, Calvin Pickard, I think gives them a shot. Um, I got some good veteran, uh, you know, they're a team that, you know, they've, they've been, they've been able to dig out of kind of a real, Real rough, uh, not rough, but you know, not an ideal start first half. However, you want to put it, I think they're they're a team that that uh, can make some noise. Uh, you know, can can they go further? I, I don't know. Um, again, if Edmonton's done early, let's say Edmonton gets bounce for some reason, sure. Mm-hmm. If not, if Edmonton goes on a long run, like uh, like we think they may, mm-hmm. it's a different story. So yeah, I mean that that's the thing that makes handy, you know you know, really trying to make any sense the HL playoffs so difficult because you're trying to do that simultaneously while you have this other 
playoff in the NHL also going on that has a huge effect on what you're doing down at this level. Absolutely. Last but but not least, Tucson Roadrunners. You kind of mentioned there a bit, but yeah. let's uh, let's just kind of close it off with with our final bubble team. Yeah, Michael Cartoni, you know, real heart and soul player, uh, leading scorer in the league. Uh, you know he'll bring it, right? Like, he's there every night. Uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're a scrappy team. Like, I think for them, like, they need to keep their composure. They're a team you can. They're one of those teams that kind of lives lives and dies on that emotion, but you can also, by the same token, pull them off their game by mm-hmm. tapping into that emotion. So, you know, it's a, it's a very fine, delicate balance for them. But uh, if they can manage to try to thread that needle, um, yeah, they're like I said, we're, they're probably a much tougher seventh seed than you would expect to get right. otherwise. So, um, yeah, I, I might want to stay with them if possible, for sure. Where are we going to be next episodes? Like next week, where are we going to be? Have the play with the play in rounds have started or? Yes, uh, we'll be in the playing rounds. Uh, each of the four divisions, as we know, uh, each, they all do it a little bit differently. Um, right. Central and actually, this North and Central do it the same. The number four and five, everybody else gets a pass. But uh, it'll be interesting because you'll have a number of teams that are practicing. And, you know, like, for example, last year we talked about Utica. Charlotte was another team that they were kind of sitting around for two weeks, right? And then. Right. You're trying to stay fresh. You're, you're, the coaching staff's trying to keep the players' attention. The weather's getting nicer. Mm-hmm. You're not playing games. You're just practicing. So they kind of pull out all the tricks. You know, they do the team bonding uh, exercises. You know, they really think does test a, a coaching staff to, to you know, keep the players a, a full team attention for, for the better part of two weeks. So that's a challenge, right? Like that is another wrinkle. Even if you've had a good season, right, and you, you finish and you get that by. Mm-hmm. You still you still don't have a necessarily an easy path, right? Like, and then you got to jump in against a team that's already played some playoff games, um, and you kind of jump in cold. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, like a Utica, that's what tripped them up last year. That's what tripped up Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as we saw, like a Laval, for example, you know, they were you know a little bit of a different case. But yeah, I mean, it's. We're still, I think, this is only second year for this format with the 23-team format. So I think we're still sort of seeing some of the trends start to, you know, take shape. But um, it certainly yeah, it keeps keeps things interesting, that for sure. We'll be able to touch on all of that next week for that show. We'll be right in the thick of the, the, the play-in round. But until then, the AHL will determine out the seeding and whatnot in the final regular season games from now until the play-in round. Thank you for listening to this week's show. A little bit of a longer one, but got to hit the playoffs for you guys. We'll see you guys next week. And uh, yeah, enjoy yourselves till then.